I'm Brent Ruff. I'm Josh Tyfke. This is the Hunt Trap Fish Podcast. Today, we sat down with return guest David Sirk and Ben McDonald, who is the owner of On Point Guide Service. Ben is a steelhead guide. Fly fishing is pretty much the name of the game. Uh, we got into all things steelhead fishing and into the Pucker Street Dam removal, what that means for the health of the Dwajak River in the future. Well, a little bit about the St. Joe and the 2017 flood. Also played Stump Tyfke again. I can't remember if you got stumped or not. But, I mean, it was BS. <laughs> we had fun. So, without further ado, please give it up for our friend, Ben McDonald. I screwed up. I should have plugged him in different. I would say, did you turn mine down? Or did you turn mine up? Did you no. fuck mine up? No, yours is actually good. Which is convenient because you wanted to bring something up before we got going. The uh, the wild turkey one? Go ahead. The, the flow is yours, sir. Yeah. So... I'm not saying Chuck Gooding is wrong, but I want to open this up to comment from our listeners because I looked in the Michigan Spring Wild Turkey Digest, and according to them, you can age a turkey based off the spurs, but from some other people's personal experiences, apparently that's not accurate. I'd just like to know everybody's opinion. Do either one of you two fishermen have anything to chime in on that? I mean, what are they suggesting on the I just, length or the... Yeah. I just killed the damn thing. Right. I don't really give a shit how old it is. Right. To be honest with you. Well, that's the thing. I, it's it's kind of a guideline, but even the digest got kind of specific. I thought a little bit too specific. Yeah, they had like the length and curvature and all kinds of stuff to like... Your your jakes are like no spur or half inch minimum yeah. or maximum. Then it goes to a one-year-old bird or a year-and-a-half-old bird... It went all the way up to like one and a half inch spurs and talking about the rounded tips pointed, whether it had a curve to it. It's a it's a decent chart, but... I mean, it's cool, right, to think about that you could actually age a bird, but are you going to age a bird while he's walking in? No. Yeah. Does, no it hold, I, does it hold any ground? In the no, end? no. I think they put it in there for like the younger hunters to like, oh man, I got a right. three-year-old bird, you know, after they shoot one. Mm-hmm. But yeah. now, isn't wouldn't it also be like genetics, kind of like deer? I mean... You can, I mean, you can kind of age a deer off of his antlers, but some of them just have genetics, and by year two, they're going to be a big buck. Yeah, I mean, yeah, kind of, sort of, like you said, you can. And kind then, of I mean, because I've seen spikes. I got one that was had, it was an eight inch spike, both sides. That thing had to have been about mm-hmm. a two, three year old. It just, it wasn't getting any bigger. I'd seen them year after year. So, all right, well, we're not here for turkeys. <clears throat> kinda, I scouted turkeys today. Oh, did you? <laughs> yeah, nice. Bring turkey. Never mind. Never mind. We're going back to turkeys. How's it looking? It's good. I'm. I've. I've. I've not hunted. In, well, last year was my first year back after five year hiatus due to just my guide season. So it was kind of like jumping back in. You know. Yeah. So I did a lot of scouting. I drove around all that Crane Pond State game area, and I found a lot of birds. Okay. Man. A lot of birds. So. Cats out of the bag. There's a bunch of birds running around over there. <laughs> Man, Crane Pond, well, that's that's over there a ways. It is over there a ways. I have 350 acres of my own, but it just doesn't hold birds. It just doesn't. Say, my brother so, lives out that way, and he's an hour from here. And I mean, Crane Pond's like a half hour from him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a hike, dude. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of ground out there. I mean, I grew up hunting that. That's where I first cut my teeth, and I've killed a lot of birds off of that state ground. A lot. Okay. Um, 
Most of them are private land birds, but they always work through a lot of that public ground over there because it's really sectioned out. So, okay. The big flocks of birds that I seen today, they were all on private ground, just adjacent to where it wouldn't be a far cry to get them to cross the road if you had to. So, but it is muddier than hell over there, right? Yes, it's like they haven't even done anything with those roads since I was a kid. Man. <laughs> this year's been pretty muddy anyway. It has, it's and definitely been a year. We've been oh, waiting man. for the rain, and here it is. How's that? How's the fishing doing? It's good. It's good. We've been waiting. It's been good all year. I mean, it hasn't. We haven't had a low period at all. So it's been nice. We've been extremely busy and um, staying busy. Good. Kind of ready for a break, but my <laughs> break ends up in Florida for tarpon. So, <laughs> well, that's a, that's one hell of a break. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and ask it now, just because I'm dying to know. So. The last time I talked to you, it was, mm -hmm. what, two years ago? Yeah, or more, yeah. Yeah, it was definitely before they took out the Pucker Street Dam. Yep. So how has that affected the river system? It's made it better. It's what we always waited for, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, you got to think that process was so long that it, you know, it seemed like it happened real quick and then it was over with, but it actually had been years and years and years and years in the making, and it was a money financial thing. And finally it all came to fruition, and – they push forward and it's out. Um, didn't have a lot of setbacks. Um, there was a lot of talk, man. I mean, you had people coming from the, you know, this side and that side, and a lot of negativity was thrown around in a bunch of different directions. But the entire process went, you know, about as smooth as you could go. And great hands on deck. I mean, everybody says, oh, well, this could have happened, or maybe it looks like this. And I say, you know what, look at the Kalamazoo River and what happened there with their removal. We're a far cry from that. We're, I mean, you can't even – we did what? What happened up there? So they – I mean, half the river got smoked. I mean, when they, they had sediment just piled up, I mean, half the river got choked, and it was just a nasty experience on all behalfs of that. So we – um our river kept itself clean the entire process. It would muddy up a little bit. We had a lot of sediment moving, but it wasn't uh, anything that we knew was not going to be able to blow itself and flush itself out. Um, you know, we were worried about the brown trout population within that and how it was going to be able to handle, you know, during construction periods and time frame. but they did just fine. Um, literally, as we got the main stem of the dam down to like a four-foot level, there was excavator buckets in actually actively digging with kings jumping over the actual excavator buckets heading up to a river that they had never seen before so within that first initial year we had fish going upstream that had never i mean it was it was just the coolest thing ever and the river now has sped up um it's the temperature stabilized now to about 36 to 37 almost all winter long it never varied so it was just a hot water heater for those fish coming up the St. Joe system, and it's clean now. It doesn't really get blown out or dirty like what's happening out right now. Um, <laughs> if it was, you know, when their dam was in play, if this was happening right now, we'd be done for like four or five days because it'd blow out. I mean, CFS, CFS would jump through the roof, it'd get super dirty, and you'd be done. Um, now with the dam out, there's no nothing in you know stopping that flow, and it's going, it's flushing, it's doing good, it's staying clean. I mean, it'll muddy up a little bit, but it's nothing, nothing bad at all. So it's it's a great thing, great thing. Well, you take it back to more natural. It, it should be better for everything that lives in it. Exactly. So it's, 
you got to think years and years ago in the process of that Dwajak River, um, it was trenched out in a straight line for agricultural purposes um, and pretty much taken from its main heart to just a straight line from here to wherever. And so the Pokagon tribes in the process right now of doing a reroute and bringing that old meander right back into play. Well, they again. did the same thing with uh, the Kankakee down in Indiana too, mm-hmm. didn't they? Yep, yep. That got called the Kankakee Ditch for a little bit. Yep. Dodd Park, that used that was all that was the first meandering project ever on the Dwajak was that park right there. So that was just a straight line cut straight through there and then they pretty much made it back into the main river channel that it is. Um, and so the entire river is coming back to what it should have been and we should have never even messed with it to begin with. So it's really cool process to see. It's cool to be a part of. And I think if the city of Niles would get on board and figure out what they really, truly have, because there's not supposed to be a river like that south of like Allegan. Right. And so they're sitting on a gem. I mean, they really are. It's beautiful. There's giant browns in there that live there all year round. I mean, hopefully they figure it out i've lived around here my whole life and i got one other buddy that fishes it mm-hmm. and brent talked to me about it when i first met him I was like yep i've seen the dam once i've never fished the river yeah any basically anybody that lives on that end of the county i mean that's where you go that's yeah, where they know. went oh i live on the other over here now i've always lived on this side of the county so yep, yep. i've always known about it i've drove past it many times never fished it though. yeah I just always that. stuck to the St. Joe because it was in my backyard, basically. And yeah, pretty much. And the St. Joe's a hell of a fisher. You don't pick up big browns continuously like you do up there, though. No, because that's not that's not something that they want to be in. I mean, when you when you look at the Joe as a whole, as far as migratory fish and trout go, it's not the greatest thing that there is for trout. Oh, it's more of a walleye river, isn't it? <sighs> not even... <laughs> to, me, to me, it's more like a, um, it goes through stages throughout the year, right? Okay. So our the migratory route on the Joe, I think is, I want to say, and I could be completely wrong, I'm going to just throw a number, I think it's 60 river miles that is accessible for migratory trout. Um, that would be like, the cutoff would be Twin, twin Branch and was, I don't even know if it's Osceola or whatever, Mishawaka, we're going to call it Mishawaka. So from the pier heads to Mishawaka, that's about as far as they go at Twin Branch Dam. So, and you've got, I think there's five dams in play between there and Berrien. Yeah, Berrien, Buchanan, Nile. Yep. Yeah. Then South Bend, Central, and then Twin Branch. So, yeah, there's about five dams in there. So when you look at that, that's just a giant water heater that happens. You know, those... You've, you've got it to where rains like this, the Joe's going to be screwed up. It's going to get real high. It's going to get muddy. It's probably going to warm up a little bit. And sometimes it warms up too fast, which impedes a good river like the Dwajak to pull fish. Um, yeah, lockjaw. Yeah, I mean, it just it doesn't work. So you get you, fish that Sorry, come I didn't mean to interrupt. What, yeah. what, what what's a lockjaw? Uh, usually fish come in when they have a big change in temperature or when they're coming in to spawn. Um, it'll... They literally will not even open their jaw. It's usually more found like kings, we refer to it. And they'll come in. The rivers are so warm compared to Just the Just saying, like they won't bite, basically? Yeah, I, I don't right. think they can physically open their mouth. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a temperature thing. I mean, these fish are temperature-oriented, right? So, you know, a steelhead, anything over 60 degrees, he's 
I mean, he can do it, but he's not comfortable. He's not liking it. Yeah, he's not comfortable. So, we, you know, with the spring run, you look at our past springs, and it's got real warm real quick. And these fish come in, they spawn in 24 hours, they turn around, they bolt. So, this year, we're kind of like back to normal, you know, quote-unquote, knock on wood. But it's cold. It's kind of just doing a slow, kind of steady rise in temperature. We're not moving a lot. We have a lot of fish still piling through. Um, but you look at the Joe, and you can just you can. It's almost like a time ticking time bomb. You're like, if it gets when, warm, it's gonna get warm quick. And even then, we noticed uh, like probably the last two years. And I'm not sure what what initially caused it. I'm 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 pretty much blaming the dams but we noticed the current has gone down even though the water level is coming up so i know you know if the lake's rising you're going to get a little back a little back pressure from that but absolutely there's holes that i usually could back troll in and now i can't i i can just shut my motor off and i'll just sit there like the current's that bad the holes are still yeah. there yeah it's just so when when you're talking about steelhead and that you're trying to find those seam lines yep. that are yeah so that was a big thing i've talked to a few guides that do a bunch of swinging out on the big river and they said the same thing they said man there's so much water that they could be anywhere they're not really holding anywhere they're just running straight through it because it's easy yes they can travel a lot and go through holes yeah fly through the river yeah and with gas prices the way they are for us it's not a lot i mean it's just you're wasting money at that point and it's not a it's not fun at all i mean i'm right now at like 400 and something dollars a week in fuel so damn yeah you got to make that up somewhere yeah especially if you're trolling all day trying to yeah. find fish and, we, and i mean and i mean we're not we're we're running you know float trips so we do float trips down the project drift boat style stuff so that kind of saves us there a little bit but we still have tons of expenses and you know we still got to drive there every day and then pick the trucks up drive back up and so forth and so on so it still adds up and then when we run our big boat for muskies or whatever I mean, it's it's not fun, not fun. And then when you think about guys that want to do big swing stuff on the Joe, I mean, you're putting miles down, and those outboards eat fuel. Right. <laughs> There's yeah, no way around it. They eat fuel, especially when you're loaded with, you know, three guys or two guys or whatever and fully equipped. I mean, you just burn fuel. So um, also, the last time we talked – you were talking about the the DNR started uh, tagging fish. Yep. So they've they've got a lot of fish tagged right now, and now we're clipping, so we'll be able to actually really have a really good indication of what's wild and what's hatchery. Um, we're seeing a lot of those fish now, a lot. So lucky for us in the Dwajak, it's been pretty much all wild fish. Awesome. Um, and a few clips here and there, you know, but that's fine because once they spawn and do their thing, those smolts are quote unquote people are going to freak out about it but they will be wild in the, in the end so and, and they're just clipping that back fin right yep so the adipose fin gets clipped and that's all it is um and that dictates pretty much whether it did come from the hatchery or it didn't come from the hatchery mm -hmm. um so the steelhead they have to smolt my rivers for two years you know some of them stay and they just like it and they don't ever leave um, we found that quite a bit in the Dwajak system because it's really perfect for them to live there. So that's how you get your resident rainbow trout population in the end game. So um, talking with the DNR and sitting there and through these meetings, we figured that with the amount of summer runs that pile up and blast through that can survive that all summer long through the heat 
and the smolts over the next few years of spawning with the new river and being able to have those cold water tributaries that, that are here and abundant on that river that we will start to see an actual rainbow trout population resident start to come about so like the steelhead that are coming up and spawning they're going to like it so much they stay some of them will stay up and the smolts will stay so as they start to grow up because they have to stay in our river system before they start migrating it's about two years that they stay in the river okay so you'll get some of those that make their migratory run back and go out into lake michigan and fulfill what they are classified as steelhead and then you'll get some that are just like screw this why would i leave this is nice you know what i mean and next thing you know they just live their entire lives there and quote unquote there's your rainbow trout so look at the pm the pms had some and then a lot of those resident rainbows were pretty much steelhead at one point in time you say pm you mean pure marquette pure marquette yep yep it's a good river to look at and kind of balance what the dowagic system is and that river it's not far off like. Okay. Okay. Now, so I have no experience on the Dwajak, but I've been up to the Pier Marquette a couple times. Mm-hmm. So it looks exactly the same. Really? Yes. I think I found a new fishing spot, Bert. No, it's good water. <clears throat> it is, and it's really fast now. So <laughs> you gotta watch out. So our our speed increased. We did a twenty foot, twenty four foot elevation change, roughly. So it's cooking. It's running about five to six miles an hour at full pour. so what that do to the the level below the dam how much did that bring it up when they took the dam out it didn't none Mm -mm. really yeah it's just moving that much faster it's just moving there's no impediment so you still got all them holes when you're waiting it's just moving a lot quicker now yeah so the river's rerouting itself the river's rerouting itself there's new holes new runs new seams new boulders there's actually big giant glacial rocks up above that have started to like reform and kind of pop out after years and years and years and years of being covered up by sediment and stuff um they found a giant stump up there that had they estimated it was probably some odd hundreds of who knows how old but it was all petrified giant bigger than this entire room that we're sitting in and it just they started to see it and they kept hitting it with an excavator and it would never move and then it's just started the river started to form around it and it started to reappearing and they they I mean, I guess I took data off of it, but yeah. So it's really cool. The river's literally coming back to life. And so the banks are kind of restabilizing. You can see it. It's all slow motion. But I mean, it's just, it's super cool, man. It that's, really is. That's, it's so awesome. I mean, there, there's been other people that talk about, you know, taking dams out across mm-hmm. the country and how much good it does. And, you know, you can look into it a little bit, but. Like, without seeing it in your backyard, like the Dwajak, it, it's hard to know. I mean, how much of an impact? We've all, mm-hmm. we've never seen the the raw river before. Yep. Those yep. dams have all been up since before we were even oh, yeah. thought of. Yeah, that, that dam's been there for a hell of a long time. Oh, yeah, it's been there. I, I don't know the exact date because I'm a screwed up, even though I've heard it a million times. Um but I mean, but it was it was yeah. sitting there not doing jack shit for, for a long for time years. too. Yeah, for a long time. And then it, you know, the whole thing was, you know, we they had talked multiple times. They're like, do we put X amount of money into, you know, fixing it and putting it back into commission? Or and pretty much the state was like, no, we're taking that thing out because we're on a no dams thing right now. So <clears throat> luckily, it worked out that way because I would hate to see that thing. Is fire it, back up again is there any species that that did not help at all um is you mean like the fish removal. species yeah. um you know 
we used to see a lot of bait fish. Well, I don't, you know, they could be, they could be anything. Um, they could have been log perched to, you know, sculpins to whatever. You would see a lot of, you know, fry swimming in the little back eddies when the dam was in play. Those kind of disappeared. Um, it's going to happen. I mean, you had sediment piling through there, you know, X amount of days a week during the process. I mean, it kind of choked the river out down below. But I think a lot of them moved up. Um, and got out of the system because it, it was a lot of fun going down to the dam and you throw in there in those little eddies and stuff yeah, and catch oh, yeah. bluegill yeah suckers <laughs> it was pretty walleye, amazing so catfish. there was a giant you know these meetings were filled with people and they're like okay you know all we're doing is releasing these walleye and smallmouth to go upstream and annihilate our brown trout etc whatever no we're not nothing's going to change those fish are going to go up so far from the joe fight that current they're going to give up not want to do it forever and turn around and go right back and you look at the pm the pm's wide open you know you can be down in the lower pm and you can catch the steelhead and a northern pike out of the same damn bush it works itself out it's mother nature right i mean it's just the nature of the beast they coexist together it can work itself out people try to like put all these things together and make things way more complicated than it has to be and literally it will write itself in the end game i was always kind of wondering about the uh the dogfish population because i've noticed it's growing well it's growing but they they tend to like more of the back swells the Mm -hmm. the low current areas and that and when you get more of the rocky and the high current areas it kind of keeps them out yeah Tends yep. to be more where the steelhead like to go. Yep. And the trout and that. And that's why I was kind of wondering if they take that <clears throat> dam out, you're you're kind of making a little bit swifter current, which, you know, in yep. turn, hopefully would push that down. So what I always try to tell everybody is <clears throat> I fished that thing my entire life. I've watched it go through many phases. And even in the summertime, you would fish the living daylights out of that. And you would probably catch like four smallmouth, maybe a walleye in the, in the heat of the summer. And that was it. And then it was trout. It was all trout, even in the lower river. So, I mean, now that we've done what we've done and the river's where it's at, it's only going to get better. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of that stuff anymore. So I think in four years you're going to have a river that is just absolutely mind-boggling. So what's the DNR's plan as far as stocking? So we that that's a good one because we've been beating heads against the wall trying to figure out what we want to do, but we've got such a cool – you know, river system that, you know, it's still up in the air that can make a decision tomorrow that kind of, you know, contradicts everything that we've talked about. It kind of works that way. But, um, what the plan is, is we kind of want to maintain that wild fishery. So we don't want to physically stock the Dwajak. So what we want to do is implement more fish into the St. Joe system, hoping that the Dwajak pulls those fish in. Um, and then they would be doing that on their own and we're not physically. So we're talking steelhead. Yep. Browns. No Browns. They, they stock Browns in the Dwajak and they always have, but for this main big stock, it would just be Kings and pretty much steelhead. Um, Wonder what so, it's so, so wait, let me, let me be clear. Are they not doing browns anymore? Or? They are still doing browns, but they'll dump those all over up okay. above. They have for years, but you can go up to Dodd Park after the, you know, they dump them in there. You could have a catch, heyday. Catch five inches all day long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, David, go ahead. I thought you were going to say something. 
I was. I completely <laughs> Some about the Kings. Oh, yeah, yeah. With that, that dam being taken out, because um, one thing I've always complained about, like in the St. Joe, is that the Kings don't have a lot of uh, area to actually spawn. You know, they'll come up in the St. Joe, but the biggest problem that they've had is St. Joe's just so big and so deep. Yeah. Like, that's not where they want to spawn, so they have to hit these little streams. Well, if you look at the St. Joe, a lot of these little creeks, and I call them creeks because that's what they are. Creeks. Yep. The creeks. Like farmers creeks. in love yeah. type style. Yeah, yeah. Pipe, well, even pipe stone. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's so small. These fish have a hell of a time, oh, and yeah. they're it's it's not a good area for them to go. So I'm wondering with stocking more of the kings up there, that seems to be a lot more of a natural habitat from the spawn in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I, I, I'd like to see what – because right now the <clears throat> numbers of kings in the St. Joe River just sucks. Well, you, that's not like you were saying. They just they've got nothing there. Like it's not, it's not. They don't want to be there. No, I mean they don't. I mean you got you know downriver places like Sportsman's etc. That they'll gravel up on late, not early. But you know ninety, I would say I would say a good seventy five percent of those kings that enter the Joe run straight up to the Dwajack. Right. Um, and I mean you'll catch them with adipose fins just hanging off of them. And I mean those are born and raised fish in there. And they always return. I mean, you know, last this, you know, it was interesting. This was our first fall that we were able to see, like, what was going to happen with the Kings. And it was a little shaky there for a little while. It was like, oh, boy, they didn't show up. We spent four weeks going down there and pricing four fish. And it should have been, there should have been a ton of them. So um, we started going upriver and doing some, you know, kayaking and rafting and going over log jams. And we found an absolute pile of them up there. So they had all just merged up and found new water, which is cool. And then all the deer hunters were chiming in, you know, during the cohos and everything. And they're like, we're in our stands and there's coho and three inches of water in these little feeder creeks off the Dwajak. That's when it hit us. And we were like, hey, this is good. Because those smolts, everything's closed down. Those fish are going to spawn. Those fish are perfectly fine up there. So the return, we're looking at the return in four years to be stupid. And the more the Dwajak starts to do its thing, the more the Joe's going to end up getting better when those fish start returning and coming right. up. You're going to get those pass-throughs. Um, the amount of coho in the Joe is just absurd anyway. I oh, mean, yeah. It's so stupid. fishing for you. It's so stupid. It's almost like, dang it, I got another yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> it just is dumb. You know, you, you get to that point and like that – that September, late September, early September, you hit those any creek mouth, and there's like a thousand of them sitting there, 200, 500 of them. And it's just like, oh my lord. Yeah. You know, and then you got your client standing in the Dwajak, and it's just like, coho, 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 coho. And they're just running past you, you know? It's like, ah. <laughs> it's like, which one do you want, guys? Like, yeah, they, I mean, they taste good, so I wouldn't complain. <laughs> right. No, yeah, there's definitely a bunch of coho that's, they're not having issues. Yeah. We always try to tell, you know, we, we're trying to educate as much as we can when it comes to Dwajak system that those we have to place we got to try to put as many fish back as we absolutely can because we got to keep growing that river system and taking fish out of it like you know i seen a guy the other day up in new water um up river and he was way over his bag limit just dragging him on the ground off of gravel um that was dealt with but we can't we can't do that to a river system that's brand new we, we can't do it so we've got a lot of enforcement going on right now we've got a lot of eyes and ears out there so good to hear watch it <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say yeah I, I have noticed uh yeah i've had 
good run-ins with the DNR mm-hmm. this year, but I've seen their presence has been all over. Yes. Yes. Uh, definitely, definitely present in the St. Joe. I've seen that yep. many, many times. Yep. Yeah. Say if you're not doing anything wrong, you shouldn't really have to watch it. You shouldn't. It, but... I mean, and you got to respect those guys. They go through a lot. I mean, they really do. And now with the Dwajak system opened up, you know, they've got to now run migratory trout, the, the you know, the full length of it. Right. So it just adds more to their plate. And, I mean, they still there's still not a bunch of guys running around there to enforce it either. It's only a handful. So, yeah, a lot of it's, you know – us that has to do 90% of that, you know, and they're well, there to pick up the back end of it. And that's kind of what I tell everybody that I've fished with or hunted with. And it's like, you know, most DNR officers are not bad guys. No, they're not. They've got a tough job. I guarantee you, if they wanted to, they could find some rule that you don't know about that you're oh, breaking. Yeah. And, and think about how many assholes they run into. Right. Think about that. If you're just cooperative and abide by the rules you know about. Yep. You're then not going to have a bad time. No, if anything, they're always there to educate you. Yeah, if you they don't are, know right. something, they, they will are. gladly tell you. And everybody says, you know, oh, this guy, you know, this this officer was really uptight, and he kind of just came in hot. And you know, I've had conversations with the people that say that, and I always tell them, I said, you know, those guys walk up to somebody knowing that there is either a knife somewhere, or they do have a physical gun on them at the time walking in. And I mean. You would be uptight too when you walk up somebody. You know what I mean? Like you know that that guy's got either a giant fillet knife or you know something that's gonna get you if he wants to get you. And you know, and everybody owns a gun now. So, and then you know, granted, you're walking through the woods during turkey season, and you know somebody's got a twelve gauge wrapped on them. So, yeah, give them the respect because, geez, you wouldn't want to walk up to somebody with a twelve gauge and feel knowing yeah, he's gonna have a weapon on him of some kind. Well, no, the the guy I work with had said he was talking to one of the the CEOs, and he had said that in certain spots uh, up here in North County, to you know, he would suggest having a sidearm on him. Oh yeah, just because there's assholes out there, you know. Oh yeah. So, it's we we live in a different world. We gotta remember that. I mean, I had guys floating down the river with clients, and they were kids up on a hillside shooting twenty twos in the river. This was two weeks ago, and the twenty two rounds were hitting the water and going and taking off. And you can hear them mm-hmm. whistling through the trees. And you, as much as we yelled, nobody gave a shit. And so I have to stop and physically like try to get up the hill and walk around and find these guys, and without getting shot, you know what I mean? So. Yeah, they're there for a reason. I don't want to. I don't want to have to tattletale on anybody. When we grew up, you know. Right? Nah, you know, man, we I, grew up like that. But we live in a time now where, yeah, I'm calling. You know what? I I grew up kind of the same way, but that was on the farm where you know you're shooting log piles, trees, squirrels. Right. I got taught when I was five years old a 22 bullet will ricochet off of water if you are not point blank. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm. which is what I was talking about with you when uh, Mr. Freddie was saying shooting frogs with a 22, like. I don't know about that. I'll spare him. That's what right. I was worried I don't about. Know if he, I don't know if he was shooting them on the water. Oh, I was going to say, I was worried about a 22's ricocheting off the water. I mean, I guess if you're like uh, you're shooting them on the bank. On the bank, right. yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what he was doing. I don't think he was like, you know, when you can just see their eyes glowing, just launching. <laughs> Next time with a spotlight and a 22. Right. <laughs> Depends on how many bush lights were drank. <laughs> Great idea. We've all been there. Right. Sitting was... at your house and you could just hear them and you're like, oh, shit, I'm going out there right now. I'm taking them all out. But, yeah, just talking about Hank, get over here. Sorry. Hank, 
You're gonna mess up that camera. <clears throat> um, t- talking about assholes. Uh, so that that same guy where I was getting at was, uh, you know, he was talking about the lack of access anymore, especially around here. I guess on like these smaller creeks and stuff, because you know I get in the water and I'll wade, mm-hmm. but a, a lot of guys don't like to do that. You know, they'll they'll try to skirt the bank as much as possible. Blah blah blah. But you know, people leaving nightcrawler uh i was gonna say the amount of trash lately has just been i mean and i get the we last just couple went, of years we just went out of walk me and tyke did across the street uh we were rabbit hunting yeah and there there was like what it seemed like every 25 yards there was like a, a, a dilapidated old rotten bucket and a pile of old beer cans oh, next man. nice day we have we're going out there and we're gonna oh for sure pick that shit up i that it's disgusting. I know half of it's probably from blowing off of the road or whatever, but still not an excuse. I mean, don't throw shit out of your car. Right. Throw it away when you get to a well, gas think station. Of, think about it. If you're a farmer, you know, and you got a creek running through your property, somebody pulls off the road, gets off, you know, and they fish it. It probably never used to be a problem until you start finding a shit ton of nightcrawler uh, cartons and, you know, well, a lot of beer stuff. cans. We just started, yeah. So we then just started, you just say nobody's allowed back there. Yeah. And we just started bow, uh, bow fishing last, last week. We went out for the first time. And a lot of these back swells, like even on the St. Joe, oh mm-hmm. my God, the amount of garbage. How hard is it? Back to, you took it out there with you. How hard is it to take it back out? Pretty hard. Apparently. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> Gains a lot of weight after you. Right. Now, see, I, you know, you know the beer cans are heavier when they're empty, apparently. Yeah. Well, <laughs> see, when I, when I run my floats and we start running our floats from, you know, Pucker Street down, the amount of rafts. In inner tubes that are deflated, stuck into the log jams, it was absolutely astronomical. Shoes, I could put. I mean, if you guys need a new pair of shoes, I could find something for you guys in every single one of those <laughs> log jams. The amount of floats, some uh, some styrofoam water shoes, you know, maybe. Now, no, is some of the stuff maybe somebody lost like kayaking or canoeing? Yeah, so or... that's just what it is. But the fact of the matter is, is if you There's fall time. off your inner tube or get pinched in there, take the son of a bitch with you. Why leave it? Right. And the beer cans on the banks. And, you know, they float down during the summer. They're having the time of their life. They finish one and whoop, there it goes. Yeah. Or they just throw and, in the water. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not that hard. It's really not that hard. I mean, so instead of them picking it up, before my season starts in September, I have to go down two boats and literally pick up trash and fill an entire drift boat full of trash. And every and year, you just do that because you, because you it's have the right to. thing to do. Yeah, I'm not gonna. I mean, good. It doesn't look it doesn't look pretty when your clients fly in from wherever and no. floating down, and it's just like, hey, we're gonna fish this trash pile right here. It's gonna look awesome. <laughs> you catch the best fish yeah. in your life, right? You know, this so pile. you know, and we're still we're still picking up a lot of trash from the flood of 2017 too, right? So, oh god, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that campground at the lower section of the river just absolutely got smoked i said i think i seen uh someone's front porch in the dwajack there's a bunch of them yeah oh, <laughs> no no so no, i was like is that a raft oh no that was someone's front porch that walked so away. all those trailers in that trailer part that's down there they all have big giant wooden decks that they've just built concrete blocks whatever I yeah mean, they're they, not sunk in the ground they're no like sitting on and the they cost like i mean they're full-blown decks that you would put on your house yeah, it's three grand worth of lumber, and it's just floating down the river. Yep, and it all went and piled up on that old train trestle, and all over the place there was RVs in there. There was, I mean, propane tanks. You might be sitting on a gold TVs. mine, man. Are there any good lumber down there still? There's a ton. <laughs> There's a ton. There's hey, giant. 
Hey, Bert. No, Bigger than this it. wall. I think I know right. how to finish your deck, Bert. Hey, here we go. Yeah. <laughs> you definitely can do it. Um, but the so. hard part's getting that out of there. But it's 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 a mess still, and we've done so much to cut it and clean it and do whatever. But Board by board. Take a screw it's gun. It's so bad. Sawzall. <laughs> the deck's going to be a little shorter. Problem is, as soon as you go and you know stand in that river and pull a section of it off, it's you're going with it. Yep. So you got to have something there to crane it out of there before you try to even get it out of there so here here's what i want to ask mm-hmm. uh so i fished since i moved i've lived up here for two years i've gone back down south and fished the brandywine creek twice nothing like it was before i moved man on the brown trout i i got one little rainbow i, I didn't even catch a brown out of there yeah. in the last two years yeah so th- those rivers go through stages they always will now i noticed because where i was going um for the the locals down there, I guess uh, down by Third Street. Yep. Um, they did all that. Uh, they put the bridge in down there yep. and that the walkway. Did they do anything to the actual river? Or of course I mean, they the, did. The creek. Right? Of course they did. Right. I mean, there the the construction companies and etc. You know, they always say, and some of them do a really good job on making sure that they don't drop anything in the river. You know damage the river in any sort of way but in all reality they do shit happens right right that kind of flew under the radar that whole entire project right it really did there Mm -hmm. was like nobody even knew it was happening until it started so yeah that river's gonna take a little bit but i mean it'll be it'll be fine in in the end um it'll come back around a lot of those fish just moved around but they are still stocking down there yeah yeah they're the, the, the state's still doing major brown trout stuff i mean they'll never end probably um question two uh so what's the deal with brook trout man anything yeah we live in a we live in a place that it's not really conducive for them also, not cool enough. It's just not cold enough. We don't really have it. I mean, maybe, you know, the Dewajek River, the headwaters used to be some of the best brook trout fishing ever. Now, there's there's some uh, natives there in the uh, uh, Crick and Buchanan, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And I've caught them in the Dewajek. And I've literally, when I say I've caught them in the I've caught one in like 20 years. <laughs> hey, hey, Brent, are you trying not to spot burn or can you not remember the Yeah, he's the totally name? trying not to spot burn. Not trying to spot burn. Yeah. Okay, okay. But I know see, there's, I can, a, there's a lot of people that would be really pissed at me for that one. I can help you. But I, I already pretty much gave it away anyway. But you can find it. You can find them. They do still exist down here, but you got to work for it and kind of so, know where you're going. If you're wanting to go on a brook trout adventure, you got to let me know. I'll talk to my Uncle Butch up in the UP. Yep. He's up in Iron Mountain. So I feel like the UP is definitely the place to go for brookies. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Just be, and colder water. Cold, so, yeah, colder, more free-flowing, more just everything that they need. So you come down here, and it's just our waters warm up no matter what happens, especially, you know, these smaller streams like the Brandywine, et cetera. When it gets hot outside, it gets those water temperatures go up. Even though it's a free-flowing, cold little stream, it gets warm. It might, uh, it might touch 60, almost 70 degrees at times. Yeah, especially like we said before, the, it's just simply the, the the temperature change, how fast it does sometimes. Yep, absolutely. It just <clears throat> kind of takes it out. You know, it could still be 47 degrees in there, which is completely yep. fine. But if it went from 32 to 47 in a, in a 48-hour span, well, now the fish are done for a while. Right. You know, that's the big thing with the run, you know, the steelhead, when the spring run, we'll just take the spring run into into consideration when we're talking about temperature. Mm-hmm. 
the gel fluctuates so much that those fish that's in the spring that's what they're oriented on right they're they're keyed in on spawning but if it's really good temperature when they're in and all of a sudden you get a couple days of warm i mean they will literally find a place real quick hit it in 24 hours turn around and burn Mm -hmm. and it'll really seem like you never even had a wave of fish and guys will start complaining they're like hey you know this this run the sea the spring sucked it was so bad da, 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 da. it's got nothing to do with the fish it's all got to do with the weather mm-hmm. the fish were probably there ready to go but your weather didn't play the part the fish did their part and they took they went right back they took That's, off so yeah can we spiral that into this fall steelhead fishing how i'm sorry in my opinion it did suck the weather was not consistent it was when it was wind blowing. We didn't get a good enough it snow. Did. Man, I had a hell of a time mm-hmm. this year. It sounds like you should have been hunting. No, I did get a deer. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was like I, there was one point in time it was so windy. One of our tournaments literally was blowing my boat upstream. Oh yeah, and I'm yeah. like, how do you how do you? You can't. <laughs> this year was the only year in my entire career I actually did better on front trolling for steelhead in St. Joe. That's oh, usually not a thing for me. It's it's sit still or back troll or bottom bounce. I mean, you're just covering ground, but right. usually it's with the current. Nah, I can't. Nah. It was all forward troll. <laughs> we had a lot of wind. <laughs> we had a lot of wind events, um, and the weather was just kind of like it started to get good, and then it got bad. And then yeah. it got warm again, and then it got bad. And then it snowed, and then it got – I mean, it was all over the map. So you'd get these little bitty waves of fish that would kind of show up, and then they would just – disperse yeah i want to say like for me it was like right after christmas once we got that snow and it stuck i mean i went out there and just hammered them mm-hmm. it's like i mean and yeah, once we, you get out of the wind and you got that yep. cold coming in the water kind of settled down for a day or two i mean just man it was great and then you know you look at the gel and if you actually if you could you probably can but you can go back and look at the water temps through the fall into the winter on the gel and it was like up down up down up down up and then it just bottomed out. Mm-hmm. And it was like 33 degrees in, what was it, like December something Damn. going into January. Yeah. I mean, there was ice flow, the whole nine yards going in through it. And I was kind of wondering what was going to happen. And then for us, from November all the way through where we're at now, it was a consistent flow of fish. Consistent. And that was huge for us in the, you know, going into with Matt and everybody, you know, in the DNR, just kind of keeping that going. We had steadied our water temperatures out via the dam removal and the fish were, the fish that were in the gel were relating to that in major form because it was a hot water heater. So as the gel was fluctuating, coming in, they were finding stability. So they were coming in and they just kept piling in and the fish were hot and they never felt that kind of lag from being cold i will tell you we fished a day that it was eight degrees and the water was steaming and it was warm and we had one nice buck jump and as soon as he hit that cold ass air he never jumped again <laughs> but <laughs> and it was kind of like you know he didn't really know what was happening right so we got a, we all got a kick out of it we were like okay these fish really have no idea what's going on on the outside world because of our water temperatures kind of stabled out and when the dam was in play, that would never happen. The water temperatures were super, you know, they would get cold. They would get cold because that top water above the dam would really get cold, and then it would just flush down. And those fish would be just super sluggish, and you wouldn't get the pulls of fish like what we did this year. So 
there's a giant dynamic in play. I think that Joe needs a little bit of, I think, you know, looking forward in the future, I feel like the DNR and everybody involved needs to put a little bit more focus in on the Joe and try to change something somewhere. Whether well, I think that I wish they would put a little bit more restrictions on the dams and how much they should let flow versus exactly actually spin hydro. Because I noticed it was like after, after we had that flood in 17, you know, and it was pretty much like holding back, holding back, yep. holding back. And then yep. it started all the way up, you know, the first dams, like, you know what, piss on you guys. Our, our water, you know, it's it's getting too much for us. So they just full bore open their yep. dam up and it yep. all just trickled down because you went from, we didn't get that much rain to the whole South, you know, South Bend wastewaters underwater yep. in like a day. And it's like, well, we didn't get all that water. Where'd it come from? Well, the other dam said they were, you know, and then the same thing, the, spring, the uh, trailer park down there in Barron Springs. You you were close, but it wasn't that bad. Right. They say, you know, you got trailers floating down the river. Yeah, it well, was hell, down in Niles, they bad. had people with like you could fish off your second story balcony, and yeah. there was fish there. Yeah, because <laughs> we were catching them. <laughs> right. they, we were they, they were they were like shoveling steelhead out of the skate park. Yeah, we were. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we were down there literally shoveling steelhead out of the skate park. Why? Yeah, because I remember down in uh, Jasper Dairy out in the cornfields. Yeah, you had, you had steelhead out there in the cornfields stuck in these pockets once it receded. Yeah, it was like God, that was well, God, hell. I wish I would have known that. that water got man. Well, put them back. As as we were as it was receding, we were floating yeah. just to look, and you know the golf course that's just right there, at the lower end of the Dwajack. We had actually cut through. Come up, Lim. Yeah, yeah. We, we cut over and we were catching them off the greens. Because <laughs> <laughs> they were just you know when they were coming out of the main river channel and soaking over you know getting out of everything, and I mean they were stacked in there. It was like the beginning of the spring run. Yeah, it's like they like that high 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 current, mm-hmm. but they don't. So they sit like right on the edge. So wherever yep. that edge is, you know, whether it be in a cornfield or in the ninth hole. Yeah, it was it was really interesting to watch all that, and it was pretty cool. That like, was crazy though. It was that nuts. Was an insane amount of water. It was so nuts. I well, missed I all the steelhead the, fishing on the golf course. I think we need to flood that again. I, I kind of want to do that. It uh, was it was super cool. I'm not gonna lie, but <laughs> you know David that whole flood job. wouldn't have happened if we had less dams on the St. Joe. And we didn't have a dam on the dam. Uh, yeah, because it all started from the high up dam opening up yep. abruptly. It's just barriers. I mean, that's what it was. It's like abrupt opening all the way down. So you had this like surge that came down. Came down and just devastated the lowest part, which happens to be the Barren Springs down. I mean, everyone got a little bit hit, but... Niles, was, Niles got hit hard. Niles got hit yeah, Buchanan. I mean, they thought that that dam was going to go. Yeah, they thought it was going to bust away. Kind of wish it would, right? Like, yeah. Let's, let's take one right out of this <laughs> equation. And the river would... You know, that's the sad part. Okay, we take one dam out of the equation, and it would actually do a little bit better. You think that one creek out there is good now. Wait till you take that dam out see what oh, happens. Oh, boy. Well, and that, um, that same thing with, like, the Buchanan Dam. Where the Buchanan Dam is down, if, I don't know if you ever fished that stretch of river. Oh my God, it's terrible. Like there's some yeah. spots in there. It's like a it's like a lake. You can go out there and bobber fish. Yeah, I mean there's no current. Technically, yeah, I always call it reservoir. I mean, it's classified above as above Chief. Niles is like that too. But the problem that I'm noticing is because of that, it sits. So what it ends up doing in the summertime? It's hot. It, it, it makes a hot bath for the lower part for the St. Joe. So when mm-hmm. I go out there in the summer, depending on whatever I'm chasing. I mean, my water temps are way hotter than what you would think, which on the flip side, anything that comes in from the lake now goes from, you know, 50 foot down or whatever down there and they find whatever water temp they want out in the lake. 
they come up into that St. Joe, there's such a difference. It's not even funny. Get what you get up there. Yeah, we. I mean, we guide chapin um, a lot. That's where we were at in the summertime. We run tons of carp on the fly. I mean, we book out our entire summer for that almost. So For what? Carp. Carp fishing? Mm-hmm. It's Dude. giant in the fly fishing industry. It's huge. So I, I fly like it. Really? I, I, I have not. Or... I have not done it, but I've been. I have never done this, and I'm intrigued yeah. by this. So, if you've ever red fished or anything like that, we literally get up on flats, pulling skiffs on big flats in in the St. Joe system or some of the lakes around here, and you'll they'll be tailing, getting craw crayfish or whatever out. And if you can present that fly right to them within that we call it a paper plate zone on the top of their head, they'll rush forward, eat it and spin off and i mean when they they you hook a steelhead or anything like that and he'll kind of get that second where he's moving his head side to side right, and then right. take off when you stick a carp he's instantly gone and he's not going to stop until you're literally playing tug of war um and people love that it's so exhilarating I mean, yeah they're I like mean, a runaway we used to guide in. yeah we used to guide smallmouth and that shit got old man i mean it's cool. I if love catching it's, small yeah. Ah, I'm not a fan of it. So the thing of it is... They taste better than carp do. From Nuts a suckers. From a guide standpoint, you look at it, and we used to put two guys in, in the boat, do a float down the St. Joe, casting poppers, pop, 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 12-inch, 14, 12, 16, maybe 20 if you're lucky, but most of them are that damn big. You know, every piece of wood you hit has got a smallmouth on it. She right. gets old real quick. <laughs> Yeah. real quick <laughs> so you know it was it was we you know i i like big fish i'm a, I'm a steelhead bum i love tarpon and i love shit that pulls and when i found that i was out in montana when i first got introduced to carp on the fly and then i was like in montana is where you learned how to catch montana carp on the fly. is where i learned how to catch carp on the fly i'm, I'm, not, like, gonna, I'm not gonna lie like i'm gonna have to get your number after this <laughs> we're definitely gonna go out because that sounds so fun and and once i found that out and then being in the industry for so long i watched it kind of become a thing and i was like now's my shot right so i started marketing it and putting it out there and it just got flooded in the last like four years and it's pretty much all we do right now so a lot of saltwater guys from the south come up and that's what they do so Carp spook real easy. They're dude. super. They're super finicky. It's very very hard. Like all very dry hard. flies, I'm guessing. No, no, nope. They will not come up and sip unless you actually have like a cotton hatch or something like that. Huh. And at that point, if you're not really good at laying a dry fly down, they will not. I mean, you'll spook them instantly. They won't have anything to do with it. And even when we get a really good shot on them and it comes down, some of them will spook and blow out anyway. Um, you'll have some that get super spooked over the line coming in. We have to position the boat with the sun and adjacent to the cart because we can get probably about 60 feet to 70 feet away from it. And if that fly line casts one shadow over top of them, they bolt and they're gone. And they'll take every fish on the flat with them. And then you got to wait them out because they all got to come back in and then they're spooky. So it's a very technical, technical game. But, you know, water temperatures towards the end of our carp season get to about that 65 range. And the big females will come up on the flat. And, um, you know, we had the opportunity to sight fish and cast, you know, catch uh, two fish over 45 pounds out of the Lake Chapin. Holy um, damn. Giant, giant, giant I carp. caught a 35 on mm-hmm. rod and reel, not, not fly. Yep. That thing took off. 
it was eight pound line, so it took me actually like 35, 40 minutes to get it in. Yeah, so with our carp, we fish a lot of nine weights, 10 weight tarpon style stuff. I mean, because you're pulling on these fish. They just want to go for the wood. Dude, if they're, they're by fucking wood, tanks. Yeah. They're beasts. Like, why would you want to catch a 12 inch smallmouth? It makes zero sense in my mind. Now, you want to catch a fun smallmouth. Six pounders up in Canada, man. The That's a whole different ball game. <laughs> We're talking about Niles, Michigan. <laughs> up in Canada. Okay, go down to the pierheads and catch them off that. With right. Them. That's old. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I get it. I've I've caught a bunch of smallmouth that I'm super. I would love to do it all day long, but we just don't have it here. You know, I mean, right? We just don't. Um. So I, I want to ask this real quick, just because I know that you doing what you do probably have heard. Mm-hmm. Um, Hickory Creek brown trout stocking. I heard a rumor of somebody like personally paying money to do that. It's possible, but you haven't heard it. I haven't heard anything. I okay. try to stay away from all that shit. Yeah, you know, what I mean, I just I do enough to keep well, on. You're, you're more South County anyway. I know. Yeah, but I'm kind of all over the place. So, like, my territory is everywhere really technically if i wanted to but i kind of stay within that southwest michigan corridor i mean if i got a run for muskies i'm in the car and i'm driving and you know that just dictates kind of what i want to do when i want to do it um to make that call so steelhead are the same way if this river were to shut off on me tomorrow i'm jumping loading the boats up and we're gone Mm -hmm. and we're going to go to the next best thing that we can fish that day so you know i try to stay within the loop on everything but i try not to involve ourselves way too much because it's just it it's not worth my time and effort and i get irritated real quick with a lot of shit so i just back <laughs> off <laughs> it's just easier for me to get in my truck turn the radio on and not give a shit until i get there and then it's go to work and then drive back up right i mean it's just easier that way you know with with our name growing and and everybody kind of has the idea it takes me literally I have to block 40 minutes of my day out every single morning because my truck hits Bugger Street and any person that's in that parking lot, boom, right to us. How's the fishing? Terrible. So <laughs> Okay, here just, we go. Worst I've ever seen. You know what I mean? Home. It's just like, and, 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 I get it. They want to conversate. They want to right. hear something. You know, they want to, they want to know, but it gets old, man. Like, I got shit to do. Right. I'm working. Now my guys are waiting. They just, you know, came into town or got off a plane or wherever. And and the last thing they want is for me to sit there for 45 minutes and try to tell Bullshit you, you know, that, yeah, there's right. fish there. Yeah. Stop See, talking to me now, and go try. You that know what comes I mean? down so, to, like, uh, yeah, what's that What's that magical lure you Right, got? yeah. And that's the, the secret? thing. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a public service announcement. If you have a guide launching a boat with – customers <laughs> in the river don't tie them up that's a dick move right like Seriously. it's not i mean it, granted you know we love to conversate with everybody we really do but not in the morning when we're trying to start our day. and there's a difference between yeah. hey man how's it going you know yeah. any any tips on color thanks bud yeah have a good trip yeah, like if you're sitting on the side waiting for your client and someone else is loading their boat you know say hey what's up you know mm-hmm Maybe, yeah. maybe have a fishing story and then be on your way. It's just, you know, now with the dam removal, it, that's all it's been is questions. 
How is the river now? The dam? You know how many times I've, it's resonates in my head in my sleep. Okay? <laughs> like you just answer it. No one even. Yeah. I didn't ask that question. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I think yeah. I, so so when we talked on the phone, I'm like, well, I want to talk about the Pucker Street Dam. Yeah, in my head, uh, in my head, I'm like, <laughs> here we uh, go. And then it's on recording now. Man. Right. Just listen to this. Right. And so good. so now I'm just gonna right. I'm gonna send this thing to everybody that asked me. I can't listen. I mean, you're gonna to listen. This, to everything you want to know. So I've done. This is going to be my third podcast on this river. Are you shitting me? Yeah. Wow. And, you know, it's 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 a thing, man. I mean, it's... Everybody's curious about it, man. Well, back to turkeys then. You're right. <laughs> right. I'm kidding. Kidding. Like, but it is. It's, it's a big thing. It was kind of... To me, it was one of the biggest things that happened in Niles. Right? Yeah. Huge. I mean, yeah. It re- it as far really as was. fishing. I mean, it was. So everybody was like... And unfortunately, you're not going to know until four, five, eight years down the road till you get a couple cycles of generations of fish coming yeah. through there mm-hmm. to know what they're going to do and what's going to happen. What amazes me is the amount of people that will walk up to me in the morning or drive their car and pull in next to it that look like they hadn't slept in like six days and they just came out of somewhere. That's called meth. Yeah. And they go, <laughs> and they go, that's why you carry a fire. How's this river? Like it tastes like shit. Flowing, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's flowing. It's doing good. Well, that damn, yeah, they should have never pulled it out of there. Really? And they say that, and I go, "How do you know?" Well, they shouldn't have done. It messed up everything. What they mess up? These people. If you don't have anything to back that up, right? If you don't know, what don't you're open up, your mouth. Okay, actually, they messed up their bluegill fishing beneath I, the dam, I, buddy. Right. I say actually, that's a study that's been around for a while that they actually prove that dams will hinder trout and steelhead and salmon when it comes to spawning. Well, yeah, they yeah. can't get up they the can't get up river. Well, river. You know what I'm saying? Even if you know they talk about like, oh, there's a fish ladder. Even with the fish ladder, putting that dam in, oh. you have already changed the spawning and changed the amount of fish that will actually have it be habitable in that river the big thing i guess is where i'm going with it is i don't understand why people are coming up and starting shit when there's no shit to be started conversation piece well just throw them in the river it's, it's, it's just, human nature it's, man. it seems like this is a thing nowadays you know you know if we did this let's say 10 years ago we wouldn't have we wouldn't have this. People poke until they get a reaction nowadays. Mm-hmm. But it seems like it's all, there's so much negativity that was related to this dam that it was mind boggling. Well, it was yeah. a money pit, wasn't it? Mind boggling. It was. But the amount of negativity from financial part, you know, to. There's people that work the river that <laughs> right. financially didn't want it gone. Well, and unfortunately, so, it's the generation that we live in. Yeah. If you would have added a dam there, you would have got the same amount, the of, same amount of negativity as if you took yeah. it out. So, so it's like, well, what was right? What was wrong? You're going to get the same outcome other than how about let's do what's better for the natural resources around us. That's always what's right. right. So always. I tell everybody this. I sat back and financially took a cut for almost two years. I mean, I made money doing other things, but my steelhead season was gone. My king season was gone. And I willingly sat back and took that financial cut, put, you know, my kids and everything to the wayside financially. You know, we took a giant hit. But the only reason that I was okay with that is because I had an idea what the future was going to lie, right? So instead of bitching about it, you just gave me pissed off about it. 
I implemented myself and involved myself in the entire process with the DNR, the city, the government, everybody. And nobody else did it. It was just me. Well, during that flood with all that, you know, all that debris and stuff you put, how many hours behind a chainsaw? I put $3,500 out of my pocket for a crane. And then I put, I don't know how many hours in on chainsaw work. And I mean, I still chainsaw all the time. You know, I probably. And not just because it's your livelihood, but because. It's got to be done. Yeah. Yeah. It's other people's lives. Not just Mm. my, me and my clients going down there. You know, I've, I've dug so many people out of that river. It's not even funny. Well, I'll say this, you know, uh, big news. If anybody doesn't know, I'm having a kid. So awesome. Yeah. So like, that means a lot to me. People like you doing stuff like that. So that my kid, when he grows up. Or she saying he or she. It. We see where we're they. going for here. When, <laughs> when they grow up, when said child grows up, it's going to be able to enjoy the same resources that we do, and, and it might even be better. It sounds like the big thing you know? is is getting those kids involved in that. Huge, um, right? Yeah, because we, you know, that's I, why access is such a huge problem. Is it, do you know if the DNR is trying to do anything? We are. Like that? We are. It's going to take time. We still got a lot of. We still got a long way to go. Um, but we do have grants out there. We've got plans out there. We've got a lot out there to make the river everything that everybody wants it to be. And it is going to happen. We just got to give it time because I, I keep telling everybody, like, they want it done tomorrow. But mm-hmm. we have migratory fish that run X amount of time out of the year. And by federal law, we can't touch anything in the river while those fish are in there. So that leaves a small window for everything on that river system to be done, mm-hmm. um, usually summer. So they just have to plan it out and start moving forward. And, you know, money's got to be there. So I will, I will say the Michigan DNR has done pretty aw- an yeah. awesome job at trying to get the youth involved. You know, they do that free weekend yep. now. Yep. Um, Don't I, they have two of those they do. each year? They yep. have two. But we, we have seen a decline in, in kids outside doing things um covid was you know i hate to say it it was a really good thing for the outdoors that and, oh yeah um, that boomed like that crazy. it was a really good thing you know <laughs> there was a lot of bad to it a lot of bad to covid in the whole pandemic thing but it really yeah, like shutting down coho fishing it, it yeah but it really boosted getting kids outside mm-hmm. and uh, i mean i had seen more people fishing than i'd ever have in my entire life now, something else to bring up in this area for those of you who have kids is uh, I, I was talking to the Southwest Michigan Steelheaders this last um, this last spring, or fall when we were doing some tournaments, and they informed me that they actually do a year-round tournament for kids. Oh, really? Um, nice. What you do is it's almost like the, uh, from my understanding, I'm going to look into it because I have three daughters that are yeah. super into fishing. Yep. It's kind of like the Master Angler Awards. Okay. So you sign up and... I don't correct me if I'm wrong, but I you don't have to be a member in order to do this tournament. I think you just have to sign up. It's a way to yeah, them that'd be nice. Getting members. That'd be nice if they so did you, that. Cool. So you sign up, and then what you do is when you you're obviously the child has to be the one to catch the fish, right? So they catch a fish, they're super proud of. You take measurements of, you take pictures, and then you submit it to them. And at the end of the year, they have a banquet, and whoever caught the biggest fish out of that species, you get to come up. You get an award oh, nice. for the year. Cool, man. Um, it's it's, stuff it's just like that. it's something yeah. to do. And like I said, there's no like one tournament, but it's a it's a huge it's a huge part. And like I said, I had to do a lot of a lot of. Uh, getting information on like Southwest Michigan steelheaders this last year 
And like I said, they actually do a lot when it comes to stock, you know, their own money stocking the rivers with steelhead and trout. Mm-hmm. They do a lot for lamprey eel removal. So it's definitely something for the youth. That, that was, was huge. That was another cool thing, bringing up the lamprey when we were doing some dredging not really with sediment dredging above the dam there was ball i mean massive ball sizeless table of chestnut lampreys just that, that were down in there you know which is they're they're actually really they they play their part so the dnr said you know we didn't realize that this was a thing in here yeah, but they just traded for them up but, here but now year. that we see them like the river system's way good and i I would have been like, hey, kill them all. But apparently it's a good thing. So you call them chestnut lampreys. Yeah, so you got different variants of lampreys. Yeah. So the the one that I was familiar with, they always called it a, a sea lamprey, was the invasive one. Was that anything that was actually here, or was there another invasive lamprey? Outside my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> Lam, lampreys a lamprey. I was going to say, I I know, mean, I've seen that's some what, big ones. Right. Like, that's, that, like, like if you go to the Bering Springs Dam, I've caught oh, like yeah, 16, absolutely. 18 inch. Yeah. It's like, we have all these horror movies out and not one over a lamprey. Have you ever held one and looked at it down? <laughs> oh, my yeah? God. Yeah. Evil, man. Like, why? Why, have, why, is there not a, why is there not a horror movie with a giant lamprey? You know, it's like, yeah. some like tra- independent gotta... film with 2.3 stars that you just laugh your ass off at. It's, <laughs> it's like so bad. Tremors hydro version. <laughs> right. <laughs> Jesus. Like, if you look at it, if you hold it and look at it, it's just rows of teeth. In a circle oh, form. Yeah. yeah, it's disgusting. You know what I mean? It's, it sets up perfect for a horror film. Oh, yeah. Perfect for No one will ever swim in the St. Joe ever again. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Just because I know that you have got to get out of here. Oh, no. We got in time. We got time. Okay. Well, that being said, it's time for Stump Typekey. Uh this week. Uh, so, Ben, and for everybody that is not familiar, so what we've been doing is every episode uh, we play a game called Stump, Stump Typekey. Where Try and make me look like an idiot. We try really hard. So me, it's impossible. Me or a guest no, comes up with five original questions about a certain to- oh, a certain topic. Ten. No. Way over. You got ten. Awesome. Even better. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's an even. It's an even number though. So that's a. Problem. I test well in small numbers. So unless you totally tank, we might have to come up with an eleven. Well, these are good like informational ones like. All around. Right. So the game is that might not be great. I haven't just, just, still had fished in a while. Just like it sounds. So uh if if Typekey guesses the majority right, then he is not stumped. If he does not, then Typekey is stumped and I get to laugh at him and make fun of him. So this this week I told him it's about fishing, which knowing I mean having you two here, obviously it was gonna be about steelhead. So I, I reached out to David and said, Would you like to make the questions this week? So, David why don't you start rolling out some questions? Let's start with five of them. If I get let's those start, five right, we'll let's stop start with right an, there. With an easy one. All right, all right. I'm gonna need a beer for this before we get started, all right. so I can have something to not answer the questions. <laughs> I pass that down. More than welcome to whiskey too. We got some ice in glass for I it. I almost was gonna ask you, but then I'd be like, man, that's like gold tier <laughs> How many eggs does a steelhead produce each year? That's I have the no. first question. It's multiple choice, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. They yeah, lay, an adult female they lay like can a thousand lay eggs. over how many eggs? They lay like thousands. Well, how many really eggs in, in, in a season? Or in a year? You know, in a spawning season? Is it like 1,000, 5,000, 10,000? 
per under a thousand per spawn or spring and fall. Like they only spawn. Well, they only once, spawn right? in the spring, so that they would be spring. that. I was gonna say in one year. One female on gravel. How many eggs does she drop? It's got to be ten. Ten thousand. No, yeah, it's over a thousand. It's over a thousand. Well, it's right around a thousand, just barely over a thousand. All right, got the first one wrong. First <laughs> one's wrong. <laughs> that one came out of. Let's see where. This... I don't know where that one came from. I didn't get the source on that one. <laughs> it came from David's brain. <laughs> it did. Oh. Question two. Question two. Now, now this one came from, I actually have the sources on this one, so if you want to question it, you can go right ahead. <laughs> no, I don't question things until the next day when I'm sober at work and I'm like, wait a minute. All right, I'll read you, I'll read you part of it and then I'll ask the question. It says, adult rainbow trout and steelhead a range in sizes accordingly. So... Steelhead can reach 45 inches in length, but are usually much smaller. They can weigh up to how many pounds, but their average weight is eight pounds. This isn't multiple choice, is it? I mean, I if you want, we can, we I can give you the multiple. Oh, give give the multiple choice. Yeah, because I okay. So now, when I mean up to, it can be 85, <laughs> 85 pounds. Holy jeez. Wow, that was Find me one. No. That's not it. But do you want the multiple choice? I, I feel like I definitely looked this up at 85 if was. They're, if, they're, if they're multiple choice, I feel like we should definitely. You feel like a steel egg get 85 pounds? No, but I saw it online, so that's what I threw out there. No, it says they can weigh up to 50 pounds. That's still a huge. That's a steel huge steelhead. That, I, I mean, that that's like way. That's I've seen a was an eighteen pound steelhead, and that was massive. Now the Saint Joe Dwajak system. Yeah, and this is not specific. This is a steelhead, not right. Like the Saint Joe River. I I started looking on like steelhead, and I feel like I looked at how big they could get. Of course, it could have been on Wikipedia that it popped up on my phone. Yeah, so, it works. So, so you know. So is it? Wrong? You got it wrong? Well, yeah, I said eighty-five and it's fifty. That's of course, it's wrong. I mean, you are. <laughs> I thought I thought we were re-answering with the oh. multiple choice. Even in the no. Pacific Northwest, to see one anywhere. That's what I thought when I saw it. Is, like insane. I mean, I have done this for well over twenty years. I put my on on January. Is it January? It was like first couple weeks of January. I was lucky enough to put my sixth fish, steelhead, in this area over 20 pounds. I I used to fish them quite heavy back in high school, and I only ever hooked one that was over 15. And that's a rarity to see them get that big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't land it. <laughs> but it was, I mean, it took off, and it took 200 yards of line. Yeah. Like, and see, and there, most of our fish that are in that in that class are not like 40 inch fish. They're usually like 37 or 38 inches, and they're girthy as all hell. So that's where they make it up. Fat I'm, fish. I'm gonna have it's to, all about the girth. I'm gonna have to figure out where I saw that number at. I want to know because I was looking today at work. But because I want to know, if I was at work. Picture so <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 I photoshop. You show, if you show me a picture of a. Anything above 50 pounds, that's going to be awesome. There was no picture. It was just a number. I'm like, really? All right. See that on Facebook? No, somewhere on Google. <laughs> Google. Somewhere Almighty on Google. Almighty Google. <laughs> Bathroom at Connie's. 
All right, here, we'll do an easy one. True or false? <laughs> that just says it's bigger than it looks. Jesus. It's the curvature in the mirror. <laughs> uh, okay, is this a true or false statement? Unlike a salmon, which dies after spawning, steelhead, steelhead trout can spawn and then return back to the ocean and migrate back upstream to spawn several times. I've known that is true. Ding, ding, ding. Yes, it is true that steelhead are, in fact, let me get the name right so I don't screw this I up. I was just going to say it because I cannot pronounce uh, it. Adnoramus fish? Adronimus. Adronimus. <laughs> there you go. Adronimus. He's got it. Adronimus fish, uh, and they can go between. I did not I did not know that till I looked that up today, by the way. I mean, I knew they went out to the lake, but I didn't actually know that they could gonna, go in between the salt water and fresh water. We're going to pick on Hayden Samick from Meat Eater. It's Adronimus, not... Uh, so, Adronimus, not Andromenus. Andromenus? I have the uh, audio here. Anadromus. Anadromus. There you go. <laughs> That's why I get those words mixed up. I listen to too much Meat Eater shit. It's a problem. I'm working on it. Okay, we'll give you one more then. How many are we at? Four? That was five. Four. We are at three. Oh. Tyfke's Ty got one right. This is Two the first rooms. time I haven't started out strong. Ooh. This is another. You want another true and a false? Yes. I like 50-50. <laughs> All right. Rainbow trout are not at risk of extinction. In some parts, they are considered a pest species true oh, you're good on that one absolutely true i didn't know i don't go traveling around the world looking for him i thought that was pretty two and two tie ball game all right wait where, they, where the hell are they a pest that's what i don't, I don't know like to me i was like yeah. not native they Some have bounties on them smallmouth in certain places are also browns too really yep browns even the, the pike minnow it's native most places but there's true. rivers it's not yeah mm-hmm. but it's like playing the lottery okay. for them guys you can make some big bank off of those oh yeah a couple years ago, one dude made seventy-five grand off yeah. of just turning into pike minnows. Yeah, big money in Idaho. Yeah, going after some pike minnows. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new Discovery Channel series. <laughs> the broad line of work. All right, question five. Question five. A group of rainbow trout is called what? A. Give him. Give him the multiple choice. He's gonna okay. need it. A. A school. Is A, B is a group, C is a. I don't know. The fuck you mean you don't know? You don't got you don't got a C. We'll go with a Hoover, or <laughs> D is just that one. We'll go with A, B, and C. A fucking Hoover, dude! I didn't write it down. All right. I mean, I mean, I thought all fish balled up in groups were schools, so I'm gonna go with a school. No, it's actually a Hoover. Well, shit, that was... What? Learn it from me. I mean, shit, I didn't even... I wouldn't it says, fun right. fact right in there, a group of rainbow trout is called a Hoover. H-O-V-E-R. A Hoover. It's a fucking Hoover, like a vacuum. I, so I was like, hey, it, it's <laughs> right there. Damn. Fun fact. I didn't know it. That's crazy. I was like, I didn't yeah. I actually had to look it up past that. Huh. I called bullshit on this article. I just, call him, I just call them pods. Damn. Like, there's a pod of fish coming through. I should have wrote it down because I knew I was going to trip up on that one. So I'm like, I don't know, school of fish, school of fish. 
I, was, I didn't school know fish? there was anything other than a school. A school, a cluster. Okay, I guess we're going to go for best out of ten then. Yeah, because that was definitely wrong. What? I, by everyone. I was going to say. Why keep coming uh, up? Hey, let, let's do. I thought you had ten of them. I have a bunch of information Let's here. do. Just let's do. Me, let's do seven. So we got two more. That's an odd number. So pick your best next two questions. <laughs> what? Oh, I've only got one right. I'm still gonna. I, you got two right. Oh, I did. Oh. I'll give you another. The best one? I think. I got two on here. But we all know I'm a little spacey from time to time. I might have missed one. <laughs> and you got you it wrong. Pronounced special it right. wrong. Facts. Sorry, Bert. Don't worry, this isn't awkward at all, David. Oh, I thought you guys were going to keep talking while I'm looking at this, but that's fine. We were trying. You know. I mean, okay. I um, We can go with... I found one, and I was going to use it. I should have used the Adronimus one earlier. That would have been great. It's Anadromus. Do we have to hit the auto... Is it Anadromus or Adronimus? Am I doing it backwards again? The, the the phone lady said it already. That's what this I said. Is... Do I got to get her back on here? Man. Here, I got one for you. There we go. Are steelhead in the Great Lakes considered steelhead? That depends who you ask. If you ask a biologist, yes. Do you ask a fisherman from here? Yeah. From the West Coast? No. So technically, yes, they are genetically. Yeah. You're right. That's a huge debate. Something that's the difference that, between that, a trout a and a steelhead. That's a huge debate. You would not think it, but yeah, the out west oh. guys will not show up here. So yeah, let's let's go over this because it's it's not so just a that, rainbow that's in the lake. Is that one for me? The second one. <laughs> yeah, if you're gonna answer my question, yeah, you're right. Yes. Yeah, nice. Tied up. So we got one more question to go, but I want to know about this, or I think we should at least elaborate a little bit about you know. The, so people think that a rainbow in the big lake is just automatically considered a steelhead, but there's more to it. So there's this giant debate between out west and the Great Lakes, right? So steelhead aren't technically, quote unquote, native to the Great right. Lakes. They're an ocean run, you know, <clears throat> fish. And so you get these guys out west that constantly hate on the guys in the midwest because they're not real steelhead they're pretty much they always say that you guys are just catching giant rainbow trout the thing of it is is our steelhead have been placed here and they're genetically based from out there do they you still migrate they still do everything the steelhead does they just don't go to the salt they go yeah, to the they giant lake. do you know what year steelhead were introduced into the great lakes do i know what what year what year it was 18 something 1886 was it close? It, when is it? It's 1890s. They okay. don't have an exact date. Yeah. So it was a long-ass time ago. That's where we're going with it. And, uh, <laughs> I'm kind of wondering how in the hell they got him here. <laughs> what got him Me here? Me too. That's, so, it had to be rail car. Yeah, so it was yeah. all train-driven. Yeah. It was all train-driven. I'll, I'll give you a really fun fact. The Dwajak River system was the first river in this, this state of Michigan to ever get stocked with brown trout. Really? Yeah. So the Pierre Marquette River is classified as the first river to ever get a brown trout stocking. But the fact of the matter is that old train trestle that runs below, that was the Pierre Marquette Railroad. And they stopped there for a maintenance purpose with the brown trout. And the guy just dumped a bucket of them over and it was journalized. 
Really? But we never get any type of recognition for it. But the Pier Marquette gets it all. So the Dwajak River system is actually those fish are, I mean, all the genetics that, you know, you catch of a resident trout there is of one of the first stockings ever in the state of Michigan. Awesome. That's pretty cool. Fun fact. Fun fact. Right in your back door. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you tell the ladies of the counties? But going back to it, <laughs> going back to it, steelhead in the Midwest or steelhead, there's no doubt in my mind. You, you'll yeah, never, if they go out of the river, you'll back never. To the lake. If they migrate, they they are what they are. I'll fight you on that one. So, so but, no, I'm saying uh, if you say they're not steelhead, because that's like my favorite thing in the world. Like, well, yeah. Over the years, I've had out west guys finally make that cut, right? And I've had phone calls with them at night, sitting down drinking beer, ready to fight just waiting for it and they're like i want to you know i'm an out west guy i really want to see what this is about and i'm like if you even start shit with me in the boat like you might join them on their migrational route back out (laughs) but but the fact of the matter is is those those guys that are willing to make that leap out of their what i call just piss party they stand in the river, they'll hook, you know, X amount of fish during that right time, and they will literally look at you and say, wow, okay, I got it. I got it. Like, they are what they are. How many different varieties of rainbow trout are there? Oh, man, there's not too many. Rainbows are rainbows. Yeah, rainbows well, are rainbows. Well, what I mean is we, you have steelhead that everybody, yep, everybody are, relates they're to. They're migratory rainbow trout, so they have spot. They don't have spots below their lateral line. They grow big. They but, like, you got cutthroats out west that yep. are – basically a rainbow trout with a little mm. red marking cutthroats are cutthroats that, yeah i thought yeah. that was a separate subspecies yeah. See, I, I didn't know that yeah <clears throat> cutthroats are cutthroats they look they look really similar to a rainbow yeah <clears throat> they're super fragile i mean trout in general are super fragile What's all right so so we'll take that out so we yeah, got trout. we got we got steelhead and rainbows everybody just kind of lumps together or, thinks or, or, or what about thing. the summer run scams yes I, so, I couldn't think of the name yeah so our skimania those crazy crackheads. Um, <laughs> I love when they're like, oh, yeah, we're going steelhead fishing in July? Yeah. <laughs> so what I try to tell everybody, and I'm going to I'm gonna make it super clear on here, is leave them alone in the summertime when they're in our rivers, if you can, unless they're up in a tributary that can support them. Because as soon as you hook them, they're dead. Yo, Instantly. Heart attack. Instantly. Heart attack. They hemorrhage, they stress, they're dead. So what's the history on Skamania? Because if I remember right, wasn't there some interesting history with that? So they were made, we we didn't have a summer fishery for the Great Lakes. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why they were ever introduced. Because they're a hybrid, right? No, they they come out of um, they're Washington. Labor. Yeah, they're Washington strain fish. Summer run steelhead. Is a lot of people think they're a, a hybrid. That yeah. Skamania River is yeah, how many thousands of miles yeah, long? There is a big difference, though. You can catch, and I have caught a scam, a scam in the middle of, I think it was like December. You know, and you play one of those up against the steelhead. Yeah, you know the difference. There's a huge difference. Yeah, I mean, an absolute huge difference. But I've heard they're a blast to catch, right? Yeah, oh, but, yeah. dude, they'll yeah. jump like, they're acrobatic. Dude, they'll they jump are, six, eight foot mm-hmm. out of the water like nothing. They're ridiculous. Um, there is a difference in them. So they were brought to us. They were put into the Great Lakes as a summer, something for people to do in the summer, right? They were like another thing to do in the summertime. 
they never in a million years thought they were going to take off off our rivers and do what they do, but they did. And therefore it was like, holy shit, you know, here we go. So <laughs> that's pretty much what happened. They were just introduced here for a summer fishery on the Great Lakes. They ended up just taking off into our river systems because that's what they do. Which the fact that they can even run up the river in July is, I mean, that's a badass fish all in itself because it's like 70, 80 degrees. Yeah, and they can do it fine, but as soon as you put them under stress, they're done. Oh, yeah. Done because they go ape shit and kill themselves now what what's the fish in the big lake that everybody calls it as a lake trout that's actually a splake no, no, or is it no. coho that's no no but no, splake, a splake is a, is a cross yeah. that's a cross between lake trout and um brookies right now if that if i remember it they just stay in the lakes yeah they, they, just, they don't do they're much not other than you're that. not gonna find a splake down here no 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 well, way so that that cross is that a lake trout and a brook trout yeah so that's a splake. Lake yes. trout, brook trout. Lake trout, brook trout. Okay. Well, trying to find a picture. I got pictures Fine. of <laughs> We're going to play Stump Bert. <laughs> Not real hard, apparently. <laughs> so here's a scam. You'll see the difference in it. A scam has a very dark blue see how top. Bullet, bi- bullet, bullet nose, real bullet, long, dude. thin, bullet. Yeah. They're so much fun, man. They are. They're a blast. And then you go to... But, yeah, they, they normally have a pretty dark Then you go half. to just our steel. Oh, yeah. Red. It's like a gunmetal blue, gunmetal gray. Oh, yeah. Complete difference. 100% mm-hmm. complete difference. So, I mean, you got your your hen. You're just your natural hen. Hold it out farther. Why don't you? <laughs> <laughs> Way to call them out. And then you got your scam. Yep, bolognese cylindrical. Yeah, I mean they just they are what they are, and so. they usually have a lot bigger. Well, I, all the dots are a little bit different, but scams usually when they start getting those dots, they come in bigger, mm-hmm. more defined. You yeah, know. you know them. You know them when you see them. Okay, you can't. They'll they'll chrome back up. You know, towards this time of year, and drop back and feed on eggs, and then they're gone. So the uh, that whole like you hook them in the summer and you kill them thing. Mm-hmm. I called the dude out on that when I was like. 15, 16, down on the pier. Yeah. And he was just down there fishing Scamini for fun. I'm like, why don't you, why don't you take home? Was he on the pier? Yeah. On the pier is fine. Well, wait a reason. Like, you can't just yeah. dump them you back in. You can't just throw them back in. Them. Yeah. Right. No, but, that's... He but was some from, of them, though, I, I've had, like, very hard fighting ones. You'll know they'll fight, 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 and then all of a sudden it's like dead weight. Yeah, and then you're like reeling it in, and they come in on their side like they're dead. They had a heart. Yeah, they're done. Like they're done. They're toast. So they they stress and they hemorrhage out, and it's he, the end. Of he it. was pulling them in, and regardless of whatever, you know, he was from Chicago. He's ah, oh, if I want fish, I'll go buy it in the store. Like oh, what the yeah. farm oh. raised nasty shit. There's me. There's a there's a bunch of videos if you want to read if you want to watch about. Yeah, Patagonia put one out about called artificial about you know stocking fish into rivers and then there's a giant uh film that i can't remember who did it but it was about all the farm raised salmon and stuff um carrying these diseases in the pens and as the migrating fish would go underneath them they would get diseased as they ran past and then it demolished his rivers um in the end and they would go to stores and actually take these fillets and do studies on them and they actually carried the disease all the way through jeez yeah so that's why a lot of there's that big huge pen race thing going on right now out west it might not be as big as it was but there's still 
combating it a little bit. Oh, and that's that. Speaking of scams, all right, fun thing to do in the summer. That's why they brought them in. You go down in June. You go down to the piers, out to the lake, and you can fish for these. Now you can do natural ly to catch them. You can do spoons, or another one is shrimp. shrimp. Now, do you know why they will eat the hell out of shrimp? The color? No. I, I learned this. Smell? When, when they're... It smells like your ex? Well... <laughs> <laughs> Reminds him of past time. <laughs> Sorry. Sore subject, guys. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually... A lot of scams are going to be, um, you know, planted fish. And when they actually bring them up, they feed them with shrimp pellets. Mm-hmm. So when they smell oh, the shit. shrimp, mm. it actually will trigger huh. like feed time. Yeah, it's all genetic. It's just planted. It's, it's in their head. Yep. So that's why, once again, you know, fun thing to do with the kids: go down to the pier, throw a shrimp on a bobber. That's literally all you have to do, and just sit and enjoy the sun until one of them things screams off. It's and a little set bit your, of a different rig. Set your drag really, really light. Yeah, because the rig I'm thinking of when people were down at the pier fishing with shrimp was a lot more complicated than just throwing out a bobber. It's a bobber, but it's a it's a bobber with a two ounce pier. Well, too. right. Yeah. Essentially, what you end up doing is you're going to run a main line. Your main line is going to have a two ounce sinker on it, and you're going to cast that thing out there, and then you're going to clip on your bobber and just send her out on the main line. So you'll watch; it'll just float. And when one grabs it, it allows it to run because scams will actually, as they're running, that's when they will eat and swallow it. So if you try to set the hook on one right away, at least down by the pier, you're going to pull it right out of their mouth. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to get a nose hook or something like that, and it's easier for them to shake it. But if you let them run, and then you just wait, wait, wait. That's why I say set the drag really loose. Let them just take off running. Give them a second or two. Grab your rig, tighten the drag, reel like hell till you feel that fish, and then it's game on. Yeah, cool. don't just swing on it right off the get-go, because you'll whiff into nothingness. Yeah, <laughs> right <laughs> off their mouth. I've that's why I said That's the hardest thing for guys to do. If they go down there and they don't set the drag right, especially, I mean, I've done it like, I'm, I'll, I'll, I like doing shrimp on bottom. But you'll do that, and then you'll see the tip of your rod start to go off. It'll do 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 start taking off on you. Guys get all excited. They run, grab that thing, crank down, whoop, and then it's gone. They, they all they'll do is they'll pick it up in their mouth and they swim off with it. Mm-hmm. So that's why you set the drag extremely loose. Right. Yeah, the cohos are on the pier right now. Yeah, they are. Don't tell everybody thicker that. thicker and shit. That'd be over before it started. So we were, yeah, by the time this drops, they'll probably already be gone. So, um, yeah, so Ready for make sure, one? but yeah, oh shit, that's right. We got one more question to do. <laughs> yeah, we can't leave it 50 50. No, you'll get this one, type. Yes, I promise. You sound like you had a queued up mm-hmm. as I freeze in the chair. <laughs> <laughs> no, just it's like calling a timeout right before the play, you know, right. <laughs> gets them all revved just to up. Ice them. Yeah. All right. The largest trout ever caught was estimated to be how many years old? <laughs> give, him, give him some multiple choice. Give Let him have a chance. Okay. Well, I'll read earlier. The average age for a trout is four to six years. 
Okay, well, the average age of a duck is two to three years. But get closer to get get closer to your microphone. The average age of a duck is two to three years, but they have them clocked at like twenty three. So average don't mean shit. Well, these are also wild. Not farm. That was wild. Oh, well, my bad. We'll take your bet. You want me to give you multiple choice? Yeah. I mean, it would be nice. Is it seven years, <laughs> ten years, eleven years, or sixteen years? I'm going to say 16. Is 11 years. I'm sure there's a 16-year-old trout somewhere. Out there. <laughs> <laughs> stumped. Fucking stumped. All right. So what species trout was that? Hmm. I'm assuming rainbow trout. Because that's what this whole article is about. The difference between rainbows and steelhead. And it specifically says in that article, the difference between a rainbow and a steelhead is the difference of going out into bigger body of water, leaving the streams. Yeah, I knew that. Well, about your comment <laughs> I don't earlier. about records, though. It was about the comment earlier, that, you know, differentiate between the two. Yeah. So, the guys out west, though, they're just finicky about that. Yeah, they believe it has to go and be in salt water. It's like, yeah, well, I'll put salt on it before I eat it. That's that's their whole argument is because it's salt water and fresh water. That's yeah, that's exactly well, I, I mean, at that point in time, it'd be like saying the kings around here aren't real kings because they don't go out to the ocean. Yeah, same concept. It's they they stay out into seventy five to eighty to hundred foot of water or more. You know, they they go wherever the temps where they want to be, and they stay out there. And then actually, in that same article, they were saying um, steelhead will. They can stay up into the river for two years from from being born till they'll stay two years up in the river, and then they will go out and spend two to three years back out in the lake before they come back in the river. Say so we got elk in Michigan that some people shoot in cornfields, but they're still elk just because they're not in a damn mountain. You know, yeah. same shit. That's yep. ridiculous. People just look for something to argue about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Our salmon. I think we started salmon. this kind of- and it's huh? a one-upping thing. That's Said, what it is. Our salmon aren't salmon because they're not in the ocean. They're not in right. salt water. I mean, the only thing I would want to see is like, okay, is there a huge difference between ocean to stream steelhead versus Lake Michigan to to stream steelhead no. in size? Well, it can't be because we, we pulled from that, right? Size is a little bit different. So you do get Taste. size. Um, I've fished Pacific Northwest a handful of times, caught a lot of saltwater steelhead um, or steelhead and yes there is a little bit of a difference size length color wise but in all in all the great lakes fish to me fight a whole lot harder than oh and that, that's one of the reasons i chase um, them every year is because i have not found around this area uh, a fish that will just give you more of a battle than a steelhead like they're not going to die on you granted they're not hogs they're not going to be like a a, a carp or, or a king where they just hit a direction and take off running you can have your differences but in <laughs> no, my opinion, I was going to point out the carp. There is actually, I just said, but steelhead have, in my opinion, the best head shake, the best runs, the best acrobatics that you're going to get. And especially if you get one of these in, you the, know, something like the Dwajek River, it's a little bit smaller. I mean, that's a hell of a fight trying to keep them out of log jams and and down. They're the fastest freshwater fish in the world. Yeah, the 24 feet per second on takeoff. There's a reason we Ooh. use big rods and, and, and the tackle that you do because this fish literally can be in a full dead run and then turn change direction yeah. on you. And you will think that you broke a line or lost it. No, it just changed directions and is running at the boat trying to create slack to get the hell off your line. 
Yeah, steelhead are pretty cool. I mean, they are. I mean, I've 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 caught a ton of tarpon in my life, and I thought that that's what I was going to do was stand on a skiff and pull people around, right? Catch giant fish, and the whole entire time I'm hooked up to tarpon, all I could think about was steelhead back home. Um, but they are at twenty five at twenty four feet per second on a takeoff rate. You never know what they're going to do. You know, I sight of a turkey, and they smell two times better than a German Shepherd, and that's underwater. I mean, they are the epitome of Crazy. a badass fish. Eyesight's pretty nappy. Oh, you, you just mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. And so the cool thing is, is like caught a million, t- I've caught tons of tarpon. They're awesome. The initial hook set up in the air, giant fish, hundred something pounds jumping around, hits the water. And then it's just a straight fight. Like if you were to hook a king, right? Just pulling, pulling, pulling. Steelhead, it's 24-7 engagement. You never know what they're going to do from the time that you hook them to the time you put them in the net. Yeah, just because you see them by the edge of your boat does not mean you're going to get them. That's usually when they pop off. And so there's a a whole difference. And you just – you either you like it or you don't, Mm -hmm. right? So I've never in my life met somebody that's hooked a steelhead and said, this sucks. No. If somebody wants to hook up with you to catch some steelhead. You can find us on Facebook at On Point Guide Service. Um, or you can give us, you could, you could always give me a call, um, 574-302-7474. My phone's always on. You'll probably get a voicemail just cause I, if I like you, I'll call you back. But. <laughs> <laughs> or it's text and email. Everything's on Facebook. Um, we post regularly. Um, the cool thing about us and through growing a business is we've watched over the years and being in the industry, I've watched a lot of people pay X amount of money and go on these trips, um, especially for fly fishing trips. And most of them are catch and release. So you're not taking anything home and we are the same. So you, they get this really shitty picture, mm-hmm. right? And they smile and they cheese. And then it's like, this is crappy picture. Um, we pride ourselves. We actually are both of us, me and my other guide are, are trained photographers we do editing programs the whole nine yards oh cool i didn't know so that. we actually um when you do get your fish we take the time with you to actually take professional photos and then we will edit those and give those back to you so you can have something to actually take home and be proud of um that's something that we thought that we could always offer because we've seen a million times where guy catches a fish of a lifetime and he's just got this shitty picture and he's just holding it up and the guy's just like oh good got it put it back Mm-hmm. Cell so, phone snap. Okay. Yeah, so we don't do that. We actually take the time, you know, and, and we tell you which way we want it, where we want it, what looks good. We put the light and everything. We edit these out. We'll send them in different kind of, you know, files to where if you want to get them on canvas or you want something, we, we do that for you. So Awesome. Yeah, we, we add that extra length to it. Um, and we teach the entire time. So we don't just – put you in a boat put you in a spot throw you out there we're right beside you standing toe-to-toe with you and we're helping through the entire process we take that next step that next level um and we can literally if you've never fly fished before which i just had a couple guys that never even this is nothing that they ever thought of um it takes us about an hour and we have you absolutely fully going and then we just operate from there um as long as you're willing to listen we can really build you to that next step and that next level. And, and we don't double book. We never short strike. So we don't do half days or none of that bullshit. We book our day out to you. If we're catching fish and having fun, you're not paying anymore. We're going to be out there with you. Cause that's what we like to do. So, um, if the guy's like, Hey, I got to be done at one, you're still saying the playing the same price. We might just start earlier. So 
the thing of it is, I had a guy the other day. I mean, we were, wha- I mean, just having a time of our life. And I looked at him, and he goes, "Well, what time are we ending?" I said, "We're not. We're ending when you tell me you're done, or it's fucking dark." <laughs> and he goes, "Well, is it going to cost me?" I said, "No." I said, "I'm here with you, bud." I said, "We're having a time of our life." So that's how we operate, and we don't we don't try to run it by the book. You know, um, we just we try to be that next level kind of operation so awesome yeah i like to point out that's that's the huge difference between a guided service and a charter right there's very <laughs> like if you're different places will go and like oh i want to charter. you go on a charter you're you're just going to jump on a boat and they're going to slam you with a bunch of fish you know and then send you home and then you're good to go yeah. nothing bad about yeah. charters it's just a guided service you get way more one-on-one interaction you get to learn with them and it's, it's a hell of an experience. I know the first guide I, I did, because I was like, oh, you know, I didn't really know the difference between the two. But the first time I did a guide up up in um, the Betsy River for some kings, I was like, well, I'm figuring it's like going to be like a charter. Right. Oh, man, no, it was me and him. And I'm like, this is it? Seriously? Yeah. Like, this, uh, that's it? And he's like, yeah, it's just me and you. Yep. And he fished right along with me on some things. He shot. He he told me, you know, showed me how they were how they were running them, different techniques to use. And I mean, it was just all around. If you're into like learning, just not only about the fish, but also different techniques on fishing, guide services, yep. no way to go. So we're huge on, you know, we don't get us don't get me wrong. We have days, especially our winter trips, where we struggle. Mm-hmm. You know, and we might hook one. That's fishing, but we might not get one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But that's fishing in general. But I've never, in all the years that I've operated, I've never had one of those days where we've zeroed out that that guy was pissed off. He's always been like, man, my casting got better, et cetera, whatever. And that's because we work the entire time. I mean, and we're honest. So if you talk with us on the phone, we're, we will talk you out of it. And, you know, it's we're not in it for money. I have numerous phone calls that I call people and I tell them, I said, hey, man, listen, it sucks right now. I know you got a date coming up, but listen, we I'm not not taking your money. Don't show up here. Um, and that's huge for us. Me and me and Andrew both, um, you know, Andrew's a good kid. He, he guides for me during Kangas? my steel. Yep. Guides for me during my steelhead season. And he goes out and guides for Cali Gale. Is, up on uh, is he still tying flies? Yep, he still is. Um, yeah, I've got him down a little bit. You know, I'm like, hey, you got to ease up on that. You can't, you can't, you can't be selling that stuff. So, because you tie your own flies too. Yeah, so we tie and operate every. I mean, we do everything. We have I have awesome companies that have endorsed me throughout the years, and mm-hmm. you know, we stay in, in top of the the field as far as products go. And we've been blessed. I've been blessed for that. And Andrew's, you know, he's he gets the same kind of whatever I have, he can have too. So. Um, We've been blessed with that, but yeah, we tie everything. I mean, we don't we don't half-ass anything when it comes to our our work. So that's my livelihood. It's his now. He he decided to make that choice in life, and we sat and talked about it and had numerous meetings about it. And uh, I gave him an opportunity to show him, prove himself. He's still got a ways to go, but you know, we've started filling his books this year. And so this might be a conversation for off camera. But uh, is he back from Montana full time now? No, nope. So he will be back. Um, he'll be here through my steelhead season, and then he goes back in May to Montana, and he'll work oh, for cool. Kelly Gallup at the slide in on the Madison, um, guiding trout, and then he'll come back. And he'll be here for steelhead season. So yeah, I was ho- I was hoping to hook up with him when we were in Montana last spring, mm-hmm. uh, but he was down by Bozeman. We were over yep. on the other side of yep. the state. So um, Trouty, dude. I mean, he's such a he's such a good kid. He's got he is. 
you know, I, I remember I sat with him. I said, are you sure this is what you want to do? <laughs> like, it looks nice because where I'm at, but you don't know where the hell I've been. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, I've lived the guide life living on couches in the middle of nowhere. You know what I mean? And looking at your bank account going, oh, shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Am I going to have gas yeah, money to go out in And ex, you know, girlfriends leaving like drop of a hat, you know, because you're gone all the time. I've got more exes than exes got exes. You know what I mean? So it's like, <laughs> and it's all fishing related, but it's the passion that stays there. And Andrew has that passion. And he's got an amazing uh, girlfriend that's stuck with him for many years. And she travels with him, too. So, um you know, I told him, I said, if that's what you want to do, then I'll back you 100% because it's a hard world to get into, man. And financially, you just, it's, you you sink more than you swim. So, and he knows his shit, dude. He does. He's really good. I've taught him, you know, I've worked with him for a long time and, and I can't say anything bad about him. I can, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going to because he's, he's just that great. And he's, uh, you know, we fished yesterday. Um, he ran a he ran a trip in the morning and then uh he goes what are you doing in the afternoon i said well i said i guess we're gonna have a business meeting and kind of just you know fish and it was the two of us is we don't get a fish you know together that often and and we went down and just absolutely went i mean it was pretty stupid (laughs) i mean it was definitely you could definitely tell that both of us had an idea what to do and we just absolutely crushed it i think we ended up with like I don't know how many fish we ended up with. I think I lost count, but we just good put them day, down. Yeah. good deal. Yeah, and we were only out there for like three hours. We just hammered down on them. three hours. So, lost count of your fish. Yeah, so I mean, and hey, and when they're when they're on, tis the season though, right? Like right. they're there now. Granted, if it was January, you know, I would literally say, yeah, we hooked maybe two, but you know, that was it. We froze our asses off because that's usually what happens, but. I don't know. This year, January for me was pretty fire. In the same January time. was good. So it's I December sucked. December January was, was fire, and then it got better as it got later in the year. I would say you know Christmas used to be like you could count on Christmas as the start of being good, but it seemed like it didn't hit till like January. I was gonna say this year I did uh, we did two tournaments, and the one the one actually got canceled right before due to weather. And then the other one that we actually fished, um, it was so bad. I think there was a total of 13 fish brought in out of, set, like, 70 guys. Jeez. I mean, it was it was bad. That was that was the one where it was just windy. It's like you, you literally weren't going for the fish. You were just going somewhere that your boat didn't get blown around the river. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of some of the guys that do some big swing, uh, fly fishing guides that blow bearing that do swing trips. They've been canceling due to the wind blow down there. Um, I don't know. I don't guide down there that much because I can't stand the traffic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not, that, that, that that's the style. other thing. This year, the fairweather fishermen were just—it was stupid. There was there was one day I went out there, and I don't think there was a bend in the river that there wasn't two to three boats. And I'm just like, what in the hell is going on yeah, here? That's not for me. We don't deal with that at all. I mean. The good thing about Dwajek is mostly private, mm-hmm. so we we run an operation that we can have that closure. So you got a little bit of, you know, guys that walk in they can get X far, but we know that once we get past that point, it's you, me, and the fish. So, mm-hmm. and and we we love it. 
I mean, that's why we don't fish the Joe that much, if at all, because why? We don't need to. I mean, once we get everything in place and we start running upriver and have that float, I mean, hell, we'll be running nine miles instead right. of five, you know, so. Well, all right. Believe it or don't, we are creeping in two hours. Crazy, right? Wow. Shit happens awesome. fast. Right. So, um, once again, Ben McDonald from On Point Guide Service. So, he already threw out his number out there. So, get a hold of him. Get a fishing trip scheduled. Uh, thanks for coming on, dude. We appreciate yeah. it. We do have openings still for the spring. What about this carp uh, fly fishing? I think that's something we yeah. get Brent out doing. A little Books. GoPro hey, action. Hey, 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 hey. Not, not just Brent. Kaiki, Kaiki. Books are open right now, so... I'm definitely interested. He'll be getting a call from me this year because I think that's (laughs) phenomenal, and I've never done it, so I'm all about something new. Yeah. Definitely going to book with you this year. Well, I'll tell you what. um, I got a couple days coming up that uh, I don't have anything going on, and I kind of took about a week off here coming up just because I just kind of wanted to relax. So um, if you guys want to jump in the boat, you three, I mean, we'll get Andrew. We'll find out his date, too, because he's got a couple days coming up that we don't have anything. Um, we'd be more than willing to float you guys down and do some steelheading if you guys want to in our style. Put fly rods, put fly oh, yeah. rods in your hands. Sounds awesome. I'll tell work to suck it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for having me out and doing that, I, I wouldn't mind repaying the favor. So That'd cool. Awesome. You guys want to do that? We'll kind of just all get together and try to figure out a, a day or a time that works for you guys. And uh, well, there is no time. We're gonna need a day. So yeah, we'll put Andrew to work. We'll just tell him. Man the boat for getting <laughs> So cool. Yeah, yeah that sounds like a great issue. time. Slams. Um, David, you also, thank you for coming on again. Always again. nice to have you. All right, Ty Piano gotta say goodbye to you. I'm not leaving. Just not saying bye. Right. All right, everybody, we'll talk to you next time. Ty Piano, you hit the stop button on that. The you know where the record buttons at in the back. All right, that is a wrap. So next week, we're getting Brandon Sarikin here from Boss Shot Shells to talk shotguns and shotgun shells. Right, Typekey? Yep, hopefully we get into all things that go boom. Right. In the meantime, please head over to our official Facebook page. Give that a like. There's all kinds of photos and stuff on there from previous episodes. I don't think we have any photos from this one, but who knows? I might find some in the meantime. Yeah, we'll try and get some this Sunday. Yeah, that's right. So we have a fishing trip planned, so that ought to be fun. Uh, as always, all music and artwork is done by the Shane Yoder from PutThemInASong.com and the Root Note Podcast. And all editing is done by me, Brent Ruff. And that's all we got. So until next time, everybody, later. Say bye, Tacky. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>